If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. To us, models seem to have everything. They are beautiful. They get to travel to the most exotic of locations. They are on the arm of rock stars and millionaires. They become rich just from having their picture taken. But behind closed doors, all is not always what it seems. The three women we will talk about today were amongst the most beautiful in the world. But sadly, their lives were cut far too short and in the most brutal and horrific of ways. Murders of models this week are mysteriously listed. Number 3. Jasmine Fiore Jasmine Fiore was a beautiful playboy and swimsuit model from Bonnie Doon, California. And while she was beautiful and would turn heads wherever she went, she was a tomboy at heart. She loved nothing more than riding horses, racing motorcycles or playing football with the boys. But the rural life was just not enough for the ambitious blonde and she would move to Las Vegas as soon as she turned 18. In Las Vegas, Jasmine would book parties and do commercials, all the while she pushed forward getting her real estate licence with the dreams of opening her own gym and training centre. Her life was perfection and everything seemed to be coming together just how she planned. The only thing missing was someone to share everything with. Jasmine thought she found true love when she met 32-year-old Travis Heinrich and the two become quickly engaged. But the fairy tale would not last and Jasmine would call off their engagement in 2009. Only a few weeks later, Jasmine would fall in love again. This time it would be with a real estate investor by the name of Ryan Jenkins. Jasmine had just finished filming a movie and came across Jenkins at a casino. The pair instantly felt a connection and even though they just met and didn't really know each other, they knew they wanted to be together forever. And just after two days, Jasmine and Jenkins got married in Las Vegas at the infamous Little White Wedding Chapel on March 18, 2009. But the honeymoon period would quickly end and Jenkins would become abusive towards Jasmine. On one occasion, he would strike her and she'd call the police, resulting in Jenkins facing an assault and battery charge. Oddly, Jasmine's former fiancé, Travis Heinrich, was present for all of this. Even though Jasmine and Travis were no longer together, they remained close friends. But Jenkins believed he saw Travis kiss Jasmine and he got angry, and this is why he hit his wife, causing her to fall in a nearby pool. 
But despite the abuse and the jealousy, Jasmine wanted to make this marriage work. She saw the best in people and gave Jenkins a second chance. However, how toxic their relationship was, just how bad things got, was evident in an email that Jenkins sent Jasmine. Quote, If you can come back and stop all of this craziness, we can have a wonderful life. Your forgiveness, trust and loyalty is all I need right now. And when your love for me grows and our lives are heading in the right direction, I'll truly feel complete. I will never leave you. I only want you. Unquote. It would be in August of 2009 that the situation would escalate to deadly levels. When Jasmine and Jenkins were in San Diego for a poker tournament, the tournament was a charity event raising money for the Karma Foundation. They checked into the LA Beach Hotel, where they'd be staying while they were in San Diego. August 14th, 2009, at around 2.30am, Eyewitnesses would later report seeing Jasmine and Jenkins at a nightclub in downtown San Diego. This would be the last time Jasmine would be seen alive. Several hours later, Jenkins would be caught on surveillance footage returning to their hotel room, but Jasmine was not with him. Jenkins would report his wife missing the next day. And despite what the eyewitnesses would claim, he alleged he had not seen Jasmine since 8.30 the previous night. The next morning, police found Jasmine's body disposed in the most callous and heartless of ways. Jasmine was found stuffed into a suitcase and left in a dumpster. She had been beaten so badly that she was unrecognisable. Her fingers were cut off to prevent being identified. What her killer hadn't thought of, though, was her breast implants. The implants had serial numbers on them, which helped investigators identify the remains as belonging to Jasmine. The coroner determined her time of death being only hours before she was found by police. Jasmine's white 2007 Mercedes-Benz motor vehicle was found abandoned in West Hollywood. Inside her car there was blood, and signs that someone had pulled Jasmine by her hair so hard that clumps were found on the passenger side seat from the roots. In the meantime, Jenkins returned to their penthouse apartment and packed up all of his belongings and drove to Nevada. Here he picked up a boat he owned. When police tried to reach him, he claimed he was heading to Canada on a pre-planned business trip. But then after Jasmine's remains were identified, police could no longer pinpoint his location, and they urged the public to help find him. At this point, Jenkins hadn't been charged with any crime, but he was certainly considered a person of interest. August 20th, 2009. Police had enough evidence to charge Ryan Jenkins with Jasmine's murder, and a warrant was issued for his arrest. The same day, Jenkins attempted to call his father, but because he was at the airport at the same time, his father wasn't able to talk to him. Then at 6pm, Jenkins and a young blonde woman that was later identified to be his half-sister, Elena, checked into a hotel in Canada. Hotel management would later state the pair were acting strangely. Whilst Elena appeared calm, Jenkins seemed stressed and exhausted. They were to stay three days, but when they didn't check out on August 23rd, the manager decided to check on the room. After knocking and getting no response, he went in, only to discover that Jenkins had suicided. 
He was hanging from a clothes rack with a belt around his neck. On his computer, investigators would discover Jenkins had written a suicide note. He claimed he loved the woman he brutally murdered. Quote, about half the letter described how much he loved her, and in the same breath he would talk about how frustrated she made him, and that he was very jealous about some of her relationships and that frustrated him immensely. Unquote. Unfortunately, Jasmine's family and friends will never get the justice they so rightly deserve for her brutal and senseless murder, but they will continue to spread her story to ensure her bright light is never forgotten. Jasmine's mother said in media interviews that her daughter's energy was infectious and that she was a wonderful and kind-hearted person. She was thoughtful, she was adventurous and she was strong. Usually around this time of year, I get to feeling really tired, unmotivated and just blah. Between being a mother to three, my day job and the podcast, I hold on to stress and that affects my sleep. Wrap that up all in a bow and I've become a little too reliant on coffee to get me through my day. Then, out of nowhere, Magic Mind reached out. And Magic Mind is this little green shot containing a combination of 12 active ingredients designed to stimulate focus, creativity, energy and motivation, all while decreasing stress. I was hesitant at first. I've tried so-called natural energy shots before. They taste disgusting and gave me nothing for the privilege. But then, what did I have to lose? I tried it for five days. Instead of a morning coffee, I mixed in the Magic Mind shot with a glass of sparkling water. Now, for one, they actually taste really nice. Not only did I not miss my morning coffee after the first day or two, I've more than halved my caffeine intake throughout the day. And because I'm not relying on the coffee jitters, my sleeps are less disrupted, so I wake up more refreshed. And then thanks to the L-theanine, I'm more productive and focused the next day. I am a complete convert, and we'll be buying these magic little green shots again. It's a total game changer. Now I have a 20% off code to share with you guys. It's listed 20. To use it, you can go to magicmind.co slash listed and enter the code listed 20 at checkout. The best part is they have a money back guarantee. Better yet, if you get the subscription, it's 40% off. My 40% off code only lasts 10 days, so get to it. Number 2. Router Atif. Rauda Atif came to international attention after she was featured on the cover of Vogue India in October 2016. She would be widely known as the Maldivian girl with aqua blue eyes. Not only was she beautiful, but she was also very smart. At the time of her death in 2017, 21-year-old Rauda was studying to be a doctor at Islami Bank Medical College in Bangladesh, and she was in her second year. In an interview with Vogue, Rauda said that modelling was just a hobby, that her true dream and passion was medicine and becoming a doctor, that she wanted to help people. Rauda was very influenced by her father, Muhammad, who was a doctor himself. 
Rowder had a large social media following with more than 30,000 followers on Instagram, tracking her jet-setting modelling career and her inspiring humanitarian posts, bringing awareness to racial and religious injustices. Rowder had a bright and successful career ahead of her, but all of this would come to an abrupt end on March 29, 2017. March 29, 2017, according to police reports. Students at the women-only hostel at the medical college where Rowder was living. Students knocked on Rowder's door looking for her. After banging for several minutes and no answer, they managed to break into the room. They found Rowder hanging from a ceiling fan. She had allegedly suicided. An autopsy report conducted by three doctors at the Medical College Hospital supported the suicide determination, referring to marks on Rowder's neck as birthmarks and not a sign of a struggle, something that her family have adamantly stated is not the case. Unfortunately, further independent investigations could not be conducted, as Rowder was buried the following day. But this has not stopped Rowder's family for fighting for justice for their intelligent and life-loving Rowder. They believe she was murdered. Her brother, 18-year-old Ryan, told a 60 Minutes TV show, quote, Rowder was a happy girl with a bright future and a promising career ahead of her. She was friendly, light-hearted and full of life. Her friends and family find it impossible to believe that she would take her own life, unquote. Rowder's family claimed there had been a series of murders in Bangladesh, which had been staged to look like suicides, and Islamic extremists had been suspected of being the ones responsible. That Rowder was targeted because she was a public figure who defended victims bullied over religious controversies. Ryan remembered his sister, quote, Rowder was a strong woman. She would not back down and stood up for herself and for others. It could have made extremists ball up inside with anger. Unquote. Rowder was a proud Muslim, but her style of clothing was thought to be immodest and un-Islamic. Even though she adhered to the dress code at the college by wearing a veil covering her face, she had been criticised for wearing jeans and was reportedly told she could no longer wear them at the college. The Atith family would hire a lawyer to begin to fight for answers. Rada had been found hanging from a ceiling fan with a scarf around her neck. Her belongings in her room were scattered all around, which was a red flag right away for a very organised router. And when the ceiling fan was examined, it was determined not to be strong enough to support Rada's weight without breaking. Fueled with this information, Rowder's father Muhammad was more convinced than ever that they were correct about their suspicions. Rowder had been dating a man, Shahi. He was Maldivian like her, and he was studying biology. Law enforcement were able to find out a lot about their relationship by reading through thousands of messages exchanged between the couple on WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. Rada and Shayi appeared to be very committed to their relationship and had recently spent two weeks travelling around India together. Rada was deeply in love with him and told her family she was going to marry him in the future. However, the night before her death, Rada called her friends distraught after finding out Shahi had been cheating on her. 
she had managed to get access to his Facebook messengers and realised he'd been talking to other women. Rada was understandably heartbroken. The thought of the man she was going to spend her life with would betray her like that, it was almost too much. She was desperate to end her pain, and not long after this, she swallowed a handful of sedative pills. But then she would immediately regret her decision, and she checked herself into the campus hospital where she was treated for her overdose. Now, it's not clear what she told the doctors at the hospital at the time, if she told the doctors why she took the pills. But regardless, she was released early the following morning. The next day, March 29, 2017, Rada confronted Shahi about his infidelity. She made it clear to him how much his cheating had destroyed her. She told him how she now doubted he had ever loved her. Because if you love someone, how could you hurt them like that? Her last text message to him would read, quote, I only loved you. You never loved me. You are a terrible human being. You've done irreparable damage. There's nothing left. I feel hollow. I feel dead. You killed me. Unquote. This was all that law enforcement needed to support their theory that Rowder took her own life because of her boyfriend's infidelity. The investigator wrote in his final report, quote, These messages clearly show that she could not endure his cheating. Unquote. Despite police's claims, Rowder's family refused to believe that she would ever suicide, and they are not alone. A quick search of online true crime and unsolved mysteries forums showed that many believe that the model's death was indeed a homicide. But despite how many answers they are waiting for, Rada's family are not going to give up and they continue to fight for justice. Number 1. Alexis Sharkey Alexis Sharkey was a stunning 26-year-old social media influencer from Houston, Texas. Her family was her world, and those who knew her described her as beautiful, generous, and a deep thinker. She was working at Twin Peaks Restaurant, where she was well-liked by her co-workers and the restaurant regulars. After going through a rough breakup, Alexis ended up dating one of those regulars, 50-year-old Thomas Sharkey, and he was working as a consultant in an oil field. They shared a love of travelling, but also had their differences. Shucky had been married before and had children. While Alexis was still finding her way in the world and enjoying her freedom without any real responsibility. But that really didn't matter to the couple. They quickly fell in love and by all accounts they were happy and complimented each other. Eventually, Alexis would become burnt out. She wanted a change in her life. She was working too much and it was restricting her ability to do what she wanted to do, which was to spend time with her family, friends and boyfriend, and she wanted to travel more. But financially, she felt stuck, as many of us can relate. But after posting some more on Instagram, sharing her life and travelling adventures, Plus, it didn't help that Alexis was absolutely gorgeous. But she started landing influencer jobs and was bringing in more money than she'd ever made before at the restaurant. Everything was falling into place in her life. She was in love. She had amazing friends. And now her large online following allowed her to do more of what she was passionate about. 
She could work from her phone and she could go wherever she pleased, whenever she pleased. In the summer of 2019, Sharky proposed to Alexis and she, of course, accepted. Together they moved to Colorado where they could live the lifestyle they craved. There was so much nature and options for travelling and exploring places they had never seen before. They began documenting their relationship through vlogs, which they shared online. From the outside, it appeared that Alexis had the life that everyone else could only dream about. Sharky and Alexis would marry at the courthouse before moving back to Texas. At the time, Alexis wanted to make some new friends, so she turned to the app Bumble. Now, I was confused at this. I thought Bumble was solely for dating, but it's not. You can also use the app to connect with others with similar interests, make connections and new friends. She made one good friend in particular, a recently divorced woman, Tanya Ricardo. Alexis would quickly become a regular part of Tanya's friend group. The two would talk every day, and they would hang out whenever they could. What wasn't evident at the time but it seemed that Alexis was doing all she could to avoid being home and spending time with her new husband. But then the pandemic hit and everything changed. Alexis would turn to TikTok as a form of escapism because she, like all of us, was stuck at home 24-7. Fast forward to Thanksgiving and Alexis went to Tanya's to have dinner. Absent from the celebration was Sharky. After dinner, the girls went out drinking everyone thinking that maybe Alexis and Sharky had another lover's tiff and they would return to being their normal loved-up selves within a few days. But the next day was Black Friday and Alexis was strangely silent on social media. She did reach out to Tanya to see if she wanted to go out drinking again, but because Tanya had family in town, she wasn't able to. The last anyone heard from Alexis was text messages in a group chat around 6.30 that night. Later that night, Sharky reached out to John, who was the boyfriend of one of Alexis's friends. He wanted to know if he had seen Alexis recently. He explained they had gotten into an argument and she had left, and he didn't know where she was. John would later tell police that he found the conversation odd at the time, and as time went on, Sharky would change his story numerous times. At one point, Sharky claimed that Alexis had taken her phone with her, only to change this part of the story to say that she left it behind. He also later claimed that he tried to use the Find My Friend app to find her, which he later said that never happened. After several days and radio silence from Alexis, which was extremely unlike the sociable extrovert that Alexis was, but her friends were worried about her. Tanya went over to Alexis's apartment and knocked on the door, but there was no answer. Not sure what else to do, Tanya contacted Alexis's mother, Stacy. Stacy told her that Sharky had already called her and alerted her of Alexis's disappearance. A missing persons report was filed for Alexis that very same day, and her friends and family would take to social media themselves to spread awareness and to get Alexis's face and description out there. Everyone held their breath and hoped that Alexis would see these posts and come home soon. Unfortunately, Alexis Sharkey's body would be found by a public works employee not far from her apartment on the side of the road. 
She was naked with no visible injuries. Her cause of death was determined to be due to superposition, but it wasn't clear what exactly happened to Alexis. But it wouldn't be long before rumours would spread about possibly Sharky knew more than he was letting on. Alexis's friends would tell police that Alexis was terribly unhappy in her marriage, and in the weeks before her murder, she confided in them that she was afraid of what Sharky was capable on, that he might kill her. According to local rumours, Alexis was ready to leave Sharky, and she had begun having an affair with another man. September 29, 2021. Police announced a warrant was issued for the arrest of Thomas Sharkey for the murder of his wife, Alexis. Sharkey was now living in Florida with his adult daughter. However, when police arrived at the home to arrest him, Sharkey refused to allow them into the home and instead went upstairs with a gun and shot himself at point-blank range, effectively ending his own life. Like all the cases today, Alexis's loved ones are left without answers. But as the police have deemed the case closed and their suspect dead, unfortunately they may never find out exactly what happened to their loved one. Alexis's family do the only thing that they can do, cling to the memory of the radiant woman that was stolen from them far too soon. What would you like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Please search Mysteriously Listed on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss an episode. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search Mysterious List. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Research, additional writing, hosting and production is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.